worthwhile. Take your Bibles and turn, if you would please, to Luke chapter 17. Luke chapter 17. I've entitled the message this morning, A Thanksgiving Awakening. Luke 17. And let's pray. Lord, I pray that you would help us now to have ears to hear and a heart to understand. Thank you for your word. Thank you for what we learn. I pray that we would learn this day. I pray in Christ's name. Amen. Ed Spencer. You probably never heard of him. Maybe a few of you have. He was a man living nearby Lake Michigan. I don't know all the details about it except this. There was a ship, small ship nearby in Lake Mission, Michigan, that began to sink. Ed Spencer was there. Ed Spencer jumped in the water. Ed Spencer saved 17 people from drowning. He collapsed after the 17th person on the ground, absolutely exhausted. That night he spent in an infirmary and all through the night he kept asking, did I do my best? Fellas, did I, did I do my best? There was an ensign by the name of Edwin Young who heard of him asking that question. And that young man who was a Christian went on to write the song, Have I Done My Best for Jesus? Ed Spencer gradually recovered from the exposure and exertion of that night. But the sad thing is, overall, it broke his health. He wound up moving to California where he spent, he literally spent the rest of his life in seclusion here in California. He died at the age of 81. And when he died, a newspaper told the story of what he had done and added this, that of the 17 people that he rescued, not one ever thanked him, not one. You know, there's many of us that have been praying for revival in America, a spiritual awakening. You're going to see as I get to the end just what used to be in this land that was normal. We've been praying for it. But you know, maybe what needs to happen, because of what I read in Scripture, maybe what needs to happen is right now here, when it comes to God's people who have trusted Christ, who have read their Bibles, and by the way, it's a blessing just to have one or more. 
We just don't realize what we have. Keep your finger there. Go from Luke 17, excuse me. Would you go to uh, Psalm 145? Psalm 145. Again, an, an, an awakening this morning. Yes, a spiritual awakening. Awakening. But what about an awakening of thanks? I read this. This was part of my devotions this morning when it comes to praise and worship. In Psalm 145, we've been covering this on Wednesday night. Look, if you would, please, at verse, let's go to, let's go to verse 8. The Lord is gracious and full of compassion, slow to anger and of great mercy. The Lord is good to all, and his tender mercies are over all his works. All thy works shall praise thee, O Lord, and thy saints shall bless thee. They shall speak of the glory of thy kingdom and talk of all thy power. To make known to the sons of men his mighty acts and the glorious majesty of his kingdom. Listen to this. Thy kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and thy dominion endureth through all generations. I got to meditating on that. Do you realize that the same God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob is large and in charge right now? You, you know, you, you stop and consider that. Things are not coming apart. Like somebody has said, the world is not falling apart, it's falling into place. This world is preparing for a man known as the Antichrist who will be followed by Christ. There are people that mock that. Well, let them mock. When the heavens declare the glory of God and they mock, when the Savior comes and they mock, when the Savior rose again and they still mocked, somehow they think they're getting the upper hand, but they're not. That is not true. I am so glad for a word, this book, that doesn't pass away. It's been attacked. It's been misused and abused. We don't want to do that. The Bible interprets itself. I praise God for this book. There have been those that have tried to correct it, to disprove it, and I love reading the stories about those that have tried just that, and they came back believing it. Praise God for that. I posted something on Facebook yesterday. There was a young man that was living in a life of sin. His sin was killing him. And he went to those that were in his lifestyle and said, what do I do? I'm afraid to die. And those that had, they wanted nothing to do with Christ said, well, the best thing you can do is go to such and such a church. They can help. And so he went. 
The preacher that morning was preaching Psalm 107 and the man couldn't believe it because it was describing him. Right afterwards, he went up to the pastor and he says, you were talking to me, I wanted you to shut up. I needed to get up here. I needed to talk to you about it. He trusted Christ as his savior. He was baptized there. And when his funeral was held, they did an audio presentation of that young man talking to his friends about the fact that he had trusted Christ as his savior. That is glory stuff. That's love talk. That's somebody sharing what they need, what others need. That's what we have here. For God's people, there's a need when it comes to giving thanks. We have the same God. I sat on that verse this morning, just stopping and thinking, and thy dominion endureth throughout all generations. You know something? All it needed to take was the sun rising this morning to let us know God's still in charge. Let's go back to Luke 17. There needs to be awakening again of thanks from God's people. Not a sloppy, shallow, emotional high. There's too many people. There winds up being a situation where people will do stuff in a service. It's more for them and not for the Lord. Instead, a realization of what God has done for us. How many of you are glad you've trusted Christ as your Savior this morning? Absolutely. See, we've got a problem. We've got a problem. You ever, you, you ever get yourself a new computer and there's all these default settings? Yeah. And that's when you want to start throwing rocks, especially if you have a PC. With a Mac, it's not as much. But a PC, makes a, it, it makes a great brick to keep a door open. But other than that, I'm saying that because Roger sits back there and he's... We, we, we need to pay attention to the word now, guys. No, look at, verse, look at verse 11, if you would, please, in Luke 17. And it came to pass as he went to Jerusalem that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. Now, sometimes what we got to do is, is, is we just got to stop and realize, you know what? It's amazing what happens when the Lord shows up. I love it. Sometimes, again, we, we, we just get used to, okay, we've read that passage. Okay, he's coming this direction. There's a reason the Holy Spirit directed Luke, who's the writer, who's the author of this particular book in the New Testament, there's a reason why the Holy Spirit guided Luke to write that down. He passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. This is one of the reasons why I love the presence of Christ. I know that, for instance, in waking up this morning, God is near. God is here, not for my glory, but for his. 
If we just stopped this morning and realized, you know what? Our God still loves us in spite of ourselves. Our God meets our needs in spite of our desires. We get sometimes so wrapped up in the world in all seriousness, we have no idea. We have no idea just how much the very presence of our Lord does for us day by day, even moment by moment. Now, there might be some, they don't know the Lord, they don't recognize this. Listen, you read the scripture enough, you are given testimony, you are given accounts that you can look and go, well, you know what? I've had that in my life. I've, I've, I've sought this in my life. And what, again, God does. You know, think again. I, boy, forgive me. We're going to be going a couple of places. Keep your finger there, if you would, please, in Luke 17. Go to Romans chapter 8. We talked about this on Wednesday night. Look at verse 26. Romans 8, verse 26. Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities, our, 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 our weaknesses. For we know not what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. How many of you have ever been in a situation, now seriously, how many of you have ever been in a situation where you didn't know how to pray? I mean, here was your prayer. God, help. I am so glad the Holy Spirit comes in and says, I'll help. Spurgeon said this about this verse, what a mercy it is that the Holy Spirit knows all things and moves us to ask for what is best. Before we pray, and this is important, we talked about this on Wednesday night. Before we pray, we should wait upon the Spirit for His guidance. And then we shall go in unto the King with an acceptable petition. Cary Granby gets a brand new truck. I go into the prayer closet. Lord, if Cary can do it, so can I. But Lord, thy will be done. By the time I was done, the Lord said, you know what, you don't need that truck. You don't need anything. Just keep on doing what you're doing. So see, now Carrie, I'm always picking on you. I apologize. But it just is open right there. We love you, buddy. Look at verse 27 in Romans 8. And he that searcheth the hearts knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. See, this is what Paul is saying in those places. And when it comes to giving thanks, this is where we ought to be. Lord, you taught us to pray this, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Lord, we're bringing our petitions to you. We're bringing our prayer requests. Lord, help us. By your Spirit, teach us what to pray for. Because truth be told, the Lord's going to direct us from the things of this world to the things that are above. 
We are not to be loving this world. This world is not our home. Everything that you see is going to be gone someday. And I mean, when I, mean when, when I say gone, I mean gone. There's only one thing in this auditorium that is going to last into eternity. That is your soul. And it's what you do with Jesus Christ that determines where you as a person spend eternity. My Bible makes that very plain. Let's go back to Luke 17. In verse 12, Luke goes on. And as he entered into a certain village, there met him 10 men that were lepers, which stood afar off. 10 men. They weren't dressed in finery. They weren't the leadership of the town. These were 10 that had a desperate, desperate need. You stop and think about what we know from leprosy from way back when. There is not even now a cure for this disease. Back then, when it started creeping along, it was horrible what would take place. Next thing you know, you've got fingers, toes, ears dropping off. They're rotting away. This disease was absolutely terrifying to people during this time. The Jews and the Samaritans never really had any dealings with each other, not at least by choice. But these 10, and one of them, at least one of them was a Samaritan, these 10, they had something in common. They were dying. They were dying of a horrible disease. You stop and consider, those of you that have been Bible students, you recognize this. Leprosy in the Bible is used as a picture of sin. Like sin, it corrupts, it deforms, it isolates. There's no human cure, and it eventually ends in death. That's sin. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We're told that. The soul that sinneth, it shall die. The wages of sin is death, eternal separation. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Praise God for that. By the way, the same Jesus that met these 10 men, they knew their fate. But Jesus was passing by, and somehow these men had heard about what Christ could do. Look at verse 13. And they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. Now, Normally, when you read in the New Testament, the word master, if you go into the Greek, it's speaking about a, ver, a, a, a word that has translated from rabbi. Not the case here. The word that they used means chief commander, one who can meet needs. See, this is what they knew about Christ. My need, he can take care of. That's why we're crying out of him, out to him. Listen, let's remember something. At the heart of giving thanks, at the heart of giving thanks, no matter what the world says, 
at the heart of giving thanks is not just feeling good. At the heart of giving thanks is not just laughter. The heart of giving thanks is recognition. Who are you thanking? There's the challenge. There is the focus. There's only one person that has the power to bless. And it's not anybody's boss. It's not government. It's God. Look at verse 14. And when he saw them, he said unto them, go show yourselves unto the priests. And it came to pass that as they went, they were blessed, excuse me, they were cleansed. Now, in, a, in accordance to the law, Leviticus 14, this is something that, you know, certain things they were supposed to do. They needed to go and show themselves to the priest. The priest, after certain steps, would declare that they were cleansed. These men, all Jesus said was, go show yourselves to the priest. Now, imagine this. This is incredible. As they're walking along, they just did what he said. And as they're walking along, all of a sudden they're realizing, my soul, I've got fingers again. I've got a, it's all here. I'm feeling great. See, here's, here's the challenge. The death sentence was removed. They are going to live temporarily, but they're going to live. Some of you, in fact, maybe a lot of you, you don't know the lady that was mentioned uh, earlier by Roger. The Van Allens and the McHenry family were here with the Welches here in our church, oh my, over 20 years ago. The Van Allens had been missionaries in Columbia, Bogota, Columbia, right outside there. Jim was incredible. Uh, that guy was a mechanic. One time, <laughs> how many of you have ever been up to uh, Apple Hill? There were several of us. They, they, we, we, we went to, we took a trip, a couple of vans. We went up to uh, Apple Hill. I love it there. You know, there's still a fritter waiting for me up there somewhere. But there's, I think, and, and if somebody knows the answer to it, you know, you can yell it out, it's all right. I think it's the Larson Farm. They have, uh, they have a museum. Maybe it's another one, but they have a museum. And here's all this old equipment that they used to use up in Apple Hill. Tractors, you know, and this and that. Jim is going along and he's describing this stuff. I mean, it's old as dirt but this is what they had down in Columbia. And he said, now, now this, this is what this would do. And this is what, this, oh yeah, we had, you know, we had one of these. And I thought that is the biggest kick. You know, he knew this stuff. She was a nurse down there. She, you know, deliver babies and one time help somebody out with a gunshot wound, you know, and all this, just all kinds of stuff. They had a great time. I remember we were having a missions conference and they had said, hey, could we show some of your pictures? We loved it. I had them do it again a couple of years later. They both lived to age 90. They've been going to 
Dave Welch's church down in Elk Grove. Pat's health began to fail. And this last week, the Lord took her home. I'm going to be preaching out of 1 Thessalonians. We sorrow not as others who have no hope. And because of that hope, we give thanks. Amen? Absolutely. This is the recognition. With them, the death sentence was gone. Now look at verse 15. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, think about it, turned back and with a loud voice glorified God. I got to looking at this verse and I thought, you know what? The saddest word in that verse is the word one. There were 10, but one. But the greatest word is the word healed because that one recognized who it was that did the healing. This guy was not ashamed to glorify the one who saved him from certain death. Now, they were all healed. And because they didn't go back, the Lord didn't say, okay, well, you're, you're getting it before the night's over. No, it's not that. They were healed. But this one came back and glorified God. Look at verse 16. And fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks. You know, remember I talked about the default setting? Our default setting is numero uno takes care of numero uno. Then there comes the time that we realize numero uno can't do it anymore. And we learn, sadly, that it was that way all along. We live by the blessing of God. The Lord is merciful, gracious, long-suffering, that's why we rejoice in him. What happens when we refuse that? One day, we get a real dose of reality. That's why Psalm 29, 2 says, Give unto the Lord the glory due his name. That's why we recognize this man, he was a Samaritan. He did not get healed because of his lineage. He was an outcast according to the Jewish people. They hated the Samaritans. Long story, that's another message. Look at verse 17. Jesus answered and said, were there not 10 cleansed? But where are the nine? I'm not going to have you turn to it, but there's a story in Luke 7 where there was a man who invited Jesus to eat with him. And while he was there, a woman came in and weeping started washing his feet literally with her tears, anointed him, 
And, she, and he said, well, you know, if the Lord knew who this was, he, you know, he would, he's thinking this, the Lord knowing his thoughts said, let me ask you, or let me, let me remind you of something. When I came in here, you didn't wash my feet. You didn't give me something, which was normal to do at that time. This woman has been washing my feet with her tears, my head with oil thou didst not anoint. But this woman has anointed my feet with ointment. And then the Lord said this in verse 47 of Luke 7, Wherefore I say unto thee, her sins which are many are forgiven, for she loved much. But to whom little is forgiven, the same loveth little. You know, it's possible that the reason why we wind up loving so little is because we don't think our sins are that much. I'm not a murderer. I haven't done anything that I've been reading about in the news about this and that person. Terrible stuff overseas. Oh, my soul. And I'm not minimizing it. But again, all have sinned. And it only takes one to break it all. We need to remember that. We all need to be thankful. Verse 18, there are not found that return to give glory to God, saved, save this stranger. Again, he was an outcast, but he's the one that came back. The thing that's fascinating is that because of that one act, you stop and think about this. Because of that one act, this person walked away with so much more. Look at verse 19. And he said unto him, Arise, go thy way, thy faith hath made thee whole. You see, these 10 saw Christ. He's got, he can help us. He's the one that can heal us. But in the process of it all, this one, again, who was a Samaritan, in looking, saw more. To the other nine, this was a fellow that can help us now. To the tenth, he realized who the Lord was, and he glorified him for that. And because of that, there were nine that were given healing temporal healing. They all still died. In fact, all 10 of them did, but one had eternal life because he came back glorifying God and recognizing Christ for who he was. And Christ then looked at him and said, go thy way. The faith, that faith that you're exercising in you right now, that saved you. You know how many times people wind up coming to a church or they go to a, a rescue mission or something else. They go somewhere to someone to help them out of their situation or their circumstances. People wind up being foolish with their bodies. They'll go to a doctor. Doctor, help. Such and such is broken. I'm not feeling good anymore. This and that. What are they looking for? Are they looking to change 
Or are they looking for a pill or something to get them out of their, out of what, you know, their circumstance, the situation, the, the consequences of their action so that they can still turn around and do more? I remember reading the story of a man who was in a clinic for people who had gotten cancer because they smoked cigarettes. And he said he couldn't believe it. He was in there one day. He smoked and he realized what had took pla- taken place. But he said, He's, he's sitting there in this room with others. You know, they're there. They've got lung cancer. They're dying. And here's a man who has a trach. And he's holding a cigarette to that hole. The same hole that killed him or the same situation that is killing him. He's got to have more of it. We look at, we look at people that are hooked on drugs. Why don't they get away from it? Well, You know, it's amazing how the wicked one and how the lust of the flesh can keep us going for stuff that destroys us. Consider, are we still going after those things too? This man gave glory to God for what he did for sinners. Received salvation And because of that, this man is in heaven today. The other nine don't know what took place. We'll find out in eternity. This Samaritan realized who did the healing, and he came worshiping. I want you to take your hymn book. But don't turn to a song yet. There was a man by the name of Luther Bridges. He was born in 1884. Married a woman named Sarah. They had three sons. He was a pastor and he accepted an invitation to minister at a conference in Kentucky in 1910. He left his family in the care of his father-in-law, went and preached at this conference. While he was there, it was great. Two weeks of ministry, he loved it. The service closed out. He couldn't wait to call his wife and tell her what had taken place. But before he could do that, the phone rang. They called him to the phone. He came expecting his wife and he was gonna tell his wife all that had taken place, but it was not his wife talking. It was somebody on the other end that told him there had been a terrible fire at his father-in-law's home and his wife and three sons had burned to death. He was absolutely shattered. He was crushed. He prayed by God's grace. He's wanting to keep his focus on his God. Finally, take your hymn books and turn to 564. We're not going to sing it. He sat down and he began to write. He did other songs as well. But with the tears flowing, he wrote a song that we sang in church 
this last Wednesday night, there's within my heart a melody. Jesus whispers sweet and still, Fear not, I am with thee. Peace be still. In all of life's ebb and flow, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Sweetest name I know. Fills my every longing, keeps me singing as I go. I'd encourage you to read the rest of that. But understand that while we're singing this song, this last Wednesday night, having a great time singing it, that came from the heart of a man who was crushed. But he came back to the one he can give praise for and give praise to because of what God had done for him at the cross along with his family. I want to take the time. I want to share something with you. This, again, this Thursday is Thanksgiving. I hope and pray we're all planning to truly give thanks to our God. We talk about how the nation has changed, and it has, including God's people. Now listen carefully, please. I got to meditating on this. You know, before we can change in giving thanks, we need to acknowledge the need before and behind the blessings. I should say behind the blessings of it all. When it comes to the pilgrims, when it comes to all, there was an acknowledgement of the need. You know, there was a time in America where we would acknowledge, Lord, we need help. Just like these 10 crying out. President Reagan brought up January 27th, 1983, this, quote, in 1775, the Continental Congress proclaimed the first national day of prayer. In 1783, the Treaty of Paris officially ended the Revolutionary War, during which a national day of prayer had been proclaimed every spring, every spring for eight years. You know how things have changed? We're not recognizing who meets the need, just like the nine of the 10. John Adams declared a national day of prayer and fasting, 1798 and 1799, quote, as the people of the United States are still held in jeopardy by insidious acts of a foreign nation, I hereby recommend a day of solemn, this is the president of the United States, a day of solemn humiliation, fasting, and prayer, 
that the citizens call to mind our numerous offenses against the Most High God. Confess them before Him with the sincerest penitence. Implore His pardoning mercy through the great mediator and redeemer for our past transgressions and that through the grace of his Holy Spirit, we may be deposed and in, disposed, excuse me, and enabled to yield a more suitable obedience to his righteous requisitions. I wonder what the people of the Freedom From Religious Foundation, which I have had personal dealings with, what they think when they read these things. These are the men that put together the Constitution and the Bill of Rights. There's Jefferson, same thing. Congress hath thought proper to, remember, to recommend to the several states a day of public and solemn thanksgiving to Almighty God. James Madison, who, was, who had introduced the First Amendment in the first session of Congress proclaimed two national days of prayer and a national day of fasting during the War of 1812. Lincoln, 1863, we have forgotten God. We have forgotten the gracious hand which preserved us in peace and multiplied and enriched and strengthened us. And we have vainly imagined in the deceitfulness of our hearts that all these blessings were produced by some superior wisdom and virtue of our own. I have really come to appreciate more President Eisenhower. He's the one that really started heading up the battle with godless communism. According to Time Magazine, June 5th, 1952, 1952 Eisenhower said this, in spite of the problems we have, I ask you this one question. If each of us in his own mind would dwell more upon those simple virtues, integrity, courage, self-confidence, and unshakable belief in his Bible, would not some of these problems tend to simplify themselves? Free government is the political expression of a deeply felt religious belief. He went on to say this, you can't explain free government in any other terms than religious. The founding fathers had to refer to the creator in order to make their revolutionary experiment make sense. It was because all men are endowed by their creator with certain inalienable rights that men could dare to be free. Did we have a ways to go? Yes, we did. Where's the answer? It's in my Bible. You try the book of Philemon. It's right there in one page. It's all taken care of. But that's not what people want today. Some people. President Reagan said this, National Day of Prayer. Americans in every generation have turned to their maker in prayer. We have acknowledged both our dependence on Almighty God and the help he offers us as individuals and as a nation. Now, therefore, I, Ronald Reagan, President of the United States, do proclaim May 5th, 1988, 
as a national day of prayer. I call upon the citizens of our great nation to gather together on that day in homes and places of worship to pray. And then finally, another president, I think, nailed it. President Donald Trump remarked on the National Day of Prayer in 2018, quote, faith has shaped our families and it's shaped our communities. It's inspired our commitment to charity and our defense of liberty. And faith has forged the identity. Listen, in solving the many, many problems and our great challenge, challenges, faith is more powerful than government and nothing is more powerful than God. without apology. You know, time and again, we're given accounts in this book that teach us what to do. One of the things that we have got to recognize is that our blessings come from the God of heaven. The book of James tells us that plainly comes down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. But the first thing and the best that comes to us is this realization that Jesus came to save sinners. This is something that we don't apologize for either. Because our God loves us so much that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Now, remember what I said? You know, when Jesus comes into the, in, in, into the picture, things change. He's going to do something. Have you trusted Christ as your savior? If you have, there will be a marked difference in your life. If there is no difference, there is no presence. If there is no presence, there is no salvation. I'd like for us to bow our heads right now if we could.